Well, hey everyone. Welcome to episode 160 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen. This week features a very special panel conversation with some amazing landscape photographers. In this week's episode, we explore gender issues in the landscape photography industry from the perspective of our fabulous panel of women, including Sandra Bartoka, Victoria Hack, Jesse Johnson, Danny LeFrancois, Sarah Marino, Anna Morgan, Verena Patel, and Jennifer Renwick. Various topics that we covered include balancing photography and family, pursuing a career in landscape or nature photography as a woman, spending time in nature alone, representation of women in the landscape photography industry, advice for other women that wish to pursue landscape and nature photography, positive changes in the landscape photography industry for women, and much, much more. Over on Patreon this week, the panel playfully tackles the subject of mansplaining as it relates to landscape photography and how our panelists handle those moments in the field. Be sure to stick around to the end to hear all about various special offers and upcoming events that our amazing guests would like you to know about. Let's support them as best we can. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's get to the show. Well, wow. Welcome to the biggest panel uh, that we've ever done here on the podcast. I'm really, really excited for this episode and um, just really thankful that we could assemble such a mighty team of amazing photographers for this discussion. Uh, First, I would just like to kind of go through the panel and introduce everybody one at a time and just, you know, take a minute to tell us who you are and what people should know about you. So I'll start off with Sarah Marino. Hi, everyone. Uh, Matt, thanks so much for hosting this discussion. Really appreciate it. Um, My name is Sarah Marino, and I am a full-time nature photographer as of this January. So great timing on that front. Um, (laughs) And I live in southwestern Colorado for part of the year. And then the rest of the year, my husband and I travel in our Airstream trailer, mostly through the American West. Um, and my photography business focuses mostly on photo education, uh, so things like ebooks and tutorials and uh, workshops. Awesome. What about uh, you, Jennifer Renwick? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Jennifer, and I just wanted to say thanks, Matt, for inviting me to be on this podcast. I think this is a very important topic, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, so I am a full-time photographer. I've been photographing for about seven years, but four years full-time and professionally. Um, I'm based in Colorado, but my business partner and boyfriend, David Kingham, um, we actually travel full-time on the road in a travel trailer for pretty much all the year, um, teaching photography workshops um, in wonderful locations around the American Southwest. Um, My background is in veterinary medicine. I did that for 14 years before taking a break. <clears throat> and I also have a degree in geology, so I try to marry the two into my photography, whether it's wildlife or cool little patterns with kind of both of my backgrounds, and it's fun to do. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. And right now we're in Golden, Colorado, kind of at home base, kind of riding out this new 
normal that everyone is getting used to. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, what about uh, Victoria? Hi, everyone. Um, thanks so much for having us, Matt. Um, so I am from the UK, as you can probably tell from my accent, um, but I've lived in Canada now for 12 years and I'm based in BC in Canada. And I'm um, a generalist photographer, so I shoot everything from landscapes to portraits, um, yeah, kind of you name it, and, and, and I shoot it really. And I've been shooting professionally now for probably about 10 years. Awesome. Yeah, I was actually showing some people your work last night on a Zoom call I was on, so that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, uh, Verena. Hi, uh, I'm Verena Patel. Um, I've been doing wilderness and landscape uh, nature photography for, uh, I don't know, 15 years, maybe something like that. Um, before that, I, I did portraiture and events and all kinds of other things. But uh, my husband and I uh, run Visual Wilderness, uh, which is a site for, you know, photographers who want to learn. And um, we travel all over the world teaching workshops into a video camera now. Basically, we used to, sorry, we used to teach, uh, you know, on-location workshops uh, with a group of students, but now we um, film our courses on location instead. And, you know, that's how we make our, our living now. Um, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, what about uh, you, Anna? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Anna Morgan. Um, thank you, Matt, for um, putting together this panel on a topic that I think um, is seeing a little bit more exposure now. Um, I, as you can hear, I'm also from the UK. Um, moved to Vancouver, BC um, just over two years ago. Um, my background is, a, is also in veterinary medicine um, as a vet, and I ran my own clinic in the UK for um, almost 10 years before moving over here, currently studying towards a master's in conservation medicine, which um, somewhat ironically deals with um, zoonotic emerging infectious diseases. Um, oh, <laughs> um, I've been photographing landscapes for um for almost 10 years now, but um, sort of doing it semi-professionally at this stage. Um, yeah, that's me. Awesome. And uh, Jesse. Hi, everyone. Thanks, Matt, for having me. Um, I am a landscape and nature photographer based in Colorado, although I travel pretty extensively in my Airstream domestically and also do some international travel. Um, my background is in social work and on the other side of the spectrum, also real estate businesses. So I'm a little bit all over the place, but in looking forward to having this conversation with everyone today. Awesome. Thanks for, for joining us. Uh, what about uh, you, Danny? Oh, uh, thanks for having me uh, in this discussion, Matt. Um, I'm based in Banff National Park, and I've been shooting kind of for about 15-ish years now, but professionally guiding kind of one-on-one -on -one workshops for about eight years now. Yeah. Yeah. And just to set the record straight for all of our regular listeners, how do people, how are people supposed to hear your name? <laughs> it's LaFrancois. 
You could do a super <laughs> French accent, which I'm not going to do because I can't speak French. <laughs> but <laughs> it can get super French. The whole name is French. <laughs> right. That's so funny. <laughs> All right. Um, and last but certainly not least, uh, we have uh, Sandra Bartuka. <laughs> Hello. Um, yes, I'm a full-time photographer from Germany. Um, I've been professional since 12 years and I'm focusing on landscape and uh, macro work and um, also being a vice president of our Nature Photography Association in Germany and a magazine editor of a nature photography magazine. Hmm. Awesome. And I, I would just say that I have had Many, many photographers say they would love to hear your voice here on the podcast. I'm glad we could finally make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, let's just dive right into the uh, <clears throat> to the qu first question. And um, obviously, this isn't necessarily going to apply to everyone. But uh, for those of you with a family, how do you balance photography, quote unquote, work life uh, with your family life? And I guess I'll just... Um, Call on Verena. Yeah, this is a question I get a lot. Um, I have four kids and uh, Jay has two. So, you know, it's definitely an issue for us. We're constantly uh, trying to sort of balance the, the needs of the kids with the needs of our business. And uh, they're older now, mostly. The oldest is 23. The youngest is 17. So it's actually gotten a lot easier now that they're yeah, at least three of them have moved out fully. And then we have two who are usually at college, but obviously uh, are home now with, with all the shutdowns. But um, when they were little, it was so hard. I remember my first trip where I was away for, you know, 14 days or something. And I had a three-year-old and, you know, it, it was so hard to leave them. But I, I distinctly remember calling and saying, you know, how are you doing? And she said, um, excuse me, mom, I have to go entertain Peter, which was <laughs> her little buddy from, you know, down the street. So after that, it, it, I really felt better. I felt like they were okay. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, that work family balance is really difficult because the reality is that most of the time women are mostly in charge of the children, um, or at least that's the assumption. So, um, I, you know, would use spreadsheets. I would use color-coded spreadsheets to try and make sure I could get all the kids to where they needed to be and then also make sure that Jay and I were getting the time we needed to to work. And um, my biggest tip, I guess, for anyone else who's working from home, because, uh, again, we, we spend a lot of time working in the home and then we would travel in short bursts, right? But when you have a photography business, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work the, the computers, uh, you know, building the websites, handling the e-commerce, all these different things. Um, and so my biggest tip was to sort of have this attitude that when I was, um, when, the, when the kids walked in the door, for example, after school, I had to just turn my computer off. That was it, mm. you know, mm -hmm. and completely shift my focus because I really found that I would get frustrated with the kids if I was trying to get something done. And, you know, so my, one of my kids a few years ago actually said to me, what do you even do when we're gone? Because she is so used to just seeing me as mom doing mom things. She doesn't even know what I do when they're gone. I, it's, it's like two lives, you know, right. in tandem. So that's what's worked for us. 
Awesome. Uh, what about for you, Anna? I have a young family. I have a daughter who's just turned one and a son who's not quite three yet. So um, the, sh- the short answer with balancing work and family life is, is with great difficulty. Um, they, I, I think the answers really are trying not to set um, expectations that are too stretching um, and and then involving them in some of the photography work. So, you know, encouraging them to enjoy nature, um, going on family camping trips and using the opportunities um, to, to, to do photography on those trips. Um, and, you know, I guess really it's an investment of, of time as a family so that in the coming years as they grow older, um, it will become a lot easier um, to, to do these things as a family. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I love the idea of getting them involved in the process too, because you can teach them all kinds of different um, <laughs> skill sets and they get to Absolutely. actually see what drives you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What about for you, Victoria? Um, yeah. I've got a, a daughter who's nearly 17 now and um it is a really tough balance and I and it and I often feel very guilty about you know wanting to you know having wanted to, to get out to places that there was just no way that I could and, and um, for 10 years I lived on a small island in the UK just 500 acres that was basically what I had to shoot and getting off the island wasn't that easy and then having a child and trying to get off the island as well was really difficult so Um, I feel like now as she's, you know, coming towards 17, um, I'm only just beginning to have the freedom to actually get out and shoot the way that I would really like to. I mean, you know, I've also tried to take her places and, you know, involve her in the process too. But, you know, there came a certain age where she just wasn't, she wasn't into that. And I'm really lucky that I have a partner who is, so supportive as well but um it is a a really tough balance and you know with him working full time um it's it's kind of hard to just kind of hand hand the kid over to him and say right I'm off now you know when he's on his downtime so it it is a difficult balance but you know it can be done and I think sometimes actually the the limiting aspect of that is what can shape you as a creative person and I think for me the fact that I couldn't go places very much meant that I had to shoot whatever was around me. And I think that has actually um, created the artist that I am today. So, so I think, you know, on the upside of that, sometimes limiting factors can, can really be the things that, that um, produce, um, you know, something that can be very creative. Yeah. It seems like one of the things that men and women have in common in this regard is that, if you do have family, it's really helpful to have a, a partner that is understanding and helps pick up some of the slack when you're gone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I wonder if for Verena having a partner who's also in the photography business, if that re- right. really helps, you know, you've got somebody who understands what you're trying to, to do. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. It makes a huge difference. You know, Jay and I will, uh, agree when it's time to stop on the side of the road and get out and shoot for three hours. You know, it's just, you don't have to worry about leaving somebody behind in the car and just saying, Hey, I'm just, I'm sorry, but that's an amazing sunset and I can't not shoot it. You know, we both 
want to get out there and shoot. And we both have the same goals uh, as far as our business is concerned. So that's amazing. Um, and I always sort of joke that, you know, our saving grace has been the fact that we're both divorced and this is our second marriage. So, you know, my kids go stay with their dad. Uh, his kids go stay with their mom when we travel. We know they're in, you know, capable, loving hands. We know that they are absolutely safe and loved. And uh, it's, you know, I always say I highly recommend divorce, but um, obviously I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we have good relationships with our exes and obviously that makes a huge difference. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it does help that Jay and I are on the same page with what we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's shift it up a bit and go down, go on to the next question. So I am curious, do any of you feel held back or see limitations at times within this career choice as a women landscape photographer? And uh, I'm just going to pick on Sarah Marino. <laughs> Well, first, I think the the one thing I will say is I don't see myself as a woman landscape photographer. I see myself as a landscape photographer who's who is a woman. So, like, mm -hmm. I don't want to be defined by just my gender. Um, so, I I do want to make that note before I go on with answering this question. Um, I think in terms of my professional opportunities, that being a woman has opened up a lot of doors because the conference. People, so people who are planning conferences or other events actually want to diversify their offerings and their speaker lists. So they're looking for women in that case. And I feel like for those people they that have been really open and wanted to diversify their offerings, that I've actually had a lot of opportunities because of that. So for that, I'm, I'm really grateful and appreciative. I think probably when I think about limitations, I think the one place that I can continually see frustrations and uh, challenges is just the way that networking happens within the nature photography community, at least in the United States. And it's a lot of things like a group of guys goes on a backpacking trip and they make really deep relationships that then turn into a business partnership. And women, when I look at my my friends who are um, doing nature photography partially for income, we're almost never invited on those kinds of things. I think just because of the gender dynamics that occur between uh, women and men. So it's like not having access to those places where so much networking happens is really frustrating sometimes and is hard, but it's just kind of the nature of, of gender relations in our society. Um, mm. So I would say that that's one thing that like I'll see a, a group of guys going on a big trip and then posting about it and then see business partnerships come out of it just over and over and over again. And that's just something that I think a lot of the people on this call just don't have access to. I do in a small way because I'm married to a man who's also a landscape photographer. And if I think I, if I didn't have that little entry point, I think that kind of thing might be even harder. Yeah, it's true. I, um, speaking from my own personal experience, you know, all of the big photo trips that I go on, it's, it's with, it's with my guy friends, you know, so that's a, very good observation. Uh, what about for you, Sandra? I can only agree with Sarah uh, in this point, um, but I must say that although I have this observation, I would feel a little bit strange to 
go on these trips, you know, because I would think that I would spoil these men trips. So I see that the networking is coming out of that. And um, I see on the other hand that women rarely do these kind of uh, events together. So it's more of a, a single single adventure thing. And um, even though there are sites who collect uh, women landscape photographers or anything, it has never the outreach of those of the men, um, I feel. So um, mm. I, I observe this, but I, I think it's, it's, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't want to enter <laughs> in a way. Um, so... Yeah, you might uh, you might find it to be more boring than you were expecting too. Yeah, because we, most of the time we just sit around the campfire and drink. Yeah, well, and so. I don't want to spoil the man's uh, a joke and so on. You know, I mean, like I mean, like men behave differently when they are amongst women, and you know, I just I just don't want to be part of that. So, yeah, um, it's I saw Verena, you had your hand up. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I think that. For me, working alongside Jay for so many years and having a very similar skill set, it's been interesting to me to see the difference between, uh, you know, the, the requests that are sent to him versus the requests that are sent to me, um, the images that are purchased from him versus the images that are purchased from me. Um, you know, there, there are times when we, we will be asked, for example, for uh, 12 images for a calendar, and we offer a collection of our images um, for, you know, the, the client to choose from. Uh, if our names are on those files, our watermarks, um, the vast majority of the images that are chosen are J's. Um, but if you take the watermarks off, uh, it's pretty much even. So that's always been really interesting, interesting to me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so that's we, actually we depressing. Take, it, it is depressing. It's frustrating to be in that position. Um, uh, there have been times, there was actually one instance where we were invited, I'm sorry, Jay was invited to speak uh, in Saudi Arabia. And when he said that uh, we speak together, um, they stopped communicating. That was the end of it. Um, now, of course, Saudi Arabia has a very different culture than we do in the United States or in, in Europe or in, in most Western countries. So that's really not a huge issue most of the time, but there's certainly been many times where, you know, I've been speaking, um, I'm questioned, um, you know, I get somebody in the audience who stands up and tries to, to take me down with a very technical question. And it's, it's just too obvious to, you almost want to laugh, you know, okay, so you answer the question and it's fine and you move on. We had one guy once who asked a question at the end of a, a talk that I was giving. He asked this very technical question, but when I started to respond, he said, no, that question was for Jay. Um, <laughs> Jay was actually in the audience. It wasn't even his talk. It was mine. So, you know, we were both just floored, but Wow. What are you going to do? I mean, you know, it's usually just one guy in the audience who, I don't know, maybe has something to prove, but <laughs> but it, it has been interesting because I've been able to compare, you know, sort of my situation with Jay's. Um, and we, it, it happens more than you think. And uh, it's, it's kind of mind numbing, really. But the vast majority of people are amazing. It's just, you know, one or two in every crowd. Both Jennifer and Sarah are um in relationships with 
professional full-time photographers. And I'm wondering if you've had any experiences that have been similar in terms of uh, in your partnership, if, you know, people have treated one side of the relationship differently uh, than the other. And Sarah, I think you've actually told me a story about that before. So I'm going to pick on you. (laughs) Yeah, I have, I'm treated differently than Ron all the time. Um, I and I th- I think it's really important to separate peer to peer relationships. Like I feel like when we're with other photographers who we are friends with or have known for a while, I always feel like I'm treated like an equal. But I think like the example that Verena shared, I have quite a few examples like that, or things like when I've spoken my mind online, then I'll get an email from somebody saying, you know, you really stepped over a boundary there by being opinionated. But I could never see Ron receiving that kind of email. So it it always feels like I need to censor myself or I need to work 50% harder uh, just to do do the same things that I see my spouse being able to do with a lot more ease. So um, I don't feel comfortable going into a lot of specifics just because... um, Sure just because of the nature of like, I don't want to be complaining about specific situations, but I do feel it pretty often. I don't have a a situation quite as egregious as Verena shared. um, But I definitely do feel it when we're doing business related things. Um, And I'd I'd also say that I came from a profession that was very women dominated, which was the nonprofit and philanthropy sector, where 80% of my coworkers were women. And so I had such an opposite experience of where I always felt welcomed and always felt equal and mentoring and coaching relationships were super easy. And then to come into this field that's much more competitive, much more male dominated, like I've just had pretty much the opposite experience where it's a lot harder to form collaborations and partnerships. And I don't know if it's, I don't know what the reason is. It could be a lot of different things, but sometimes it just feels like, like the, the gender piece and, and assumptions about women are a barrier. Um, and an, mm-hmm. another thing I would mention too is I've I've heard a man who ran a photo contest say, "Well, women's images just aren't as good," and I think that that's the kind of judgment that like maybe women, some women just have like I have a softer style. That doesn't mean that my photos aren't quote unquote as good. They're just different. So I think that like the lens of the that uh, certain that landscape photography is supposed to look one way. Um, and mine doesn't necessarily look that way, which a lot of people see through a lens of gender. Um, that that that's another example of how how it can sometimes play out when trying to do this as a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sandra, um, I think um, like uh, being a woman uh, and being in the position of um, like deciding who to invite to a festival as well, uh, or to have as a judge in a competition. I must say that. This uh, what Sarah just said about uh, women's images not being <laughs> as great uh, or whatever. I can just say I think we have just so few women around that sometimes even for me it feels hard to find women that are good enough. And I think that we are all in a way. I mean, like we all experience that we are maybe not um, um, uh, like as celebrated as uh, men are. But on the other hand, I always have a hard time finding women who to invite uh, as well. Um, I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's such a pure male's world in a way. And, um, like, 
I more than once think, oh, we have only men speaking at this event. So how can I find a woman who keeps up quality-wise uh, and content-wise uh, with a man? And this is coming from me being a woman. So um, I, I don't know if it's like something that we have um, inherited in centuries of male domination, that even we are reacting on this. Um, I, I can't really find explanations for that, but but I'm pretty sure it's it's because we are much less, um, and, and so the the choices are not as varied. So if I'm hearing you hearing you correctly, you're saying just the sh the fact that there's fewer women in the landscape photography realm that there's going to be an equally fewer amount of those that are high quality if, if, if that's what i'm hearing you say yeah this is, this is what i'm uh, uh, saying so i mean like um I, th i think that many many women are great photographers but when it comes to going beyond just a great photograph and having something to say or having a cl complete body of work more than just a few nice images uh, then then it, it's getting narrow and narrow uh, so i mean i i just don't have as much choice as as if i have with men right um, Victoria, um, I, I, you know, I kind of agree with what Sarah was saying in that there seems to be a standard of what is landscape photography, and that seems to be kind of set by um, groups of, of guys quite often. Um, and I think it's partly because they tend to 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 kind of shout louder and, you know, these, you know, as Sarah was saying, these kind of groups of guys that, um, you know, do things together and network together. Um, there seems to be a standard of what is, is, you know, what is landscape photography today? And that standard seems to be predominantly set by, by men, just because I think they seem to have a louder voice out there. Hmm. I'm curious Do you see women's, the work from women landscape photographers, do you see it have a different aesthetic or set a different type of standard? I, 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 I certainly, I, you know, I, not in all cases, but um, sometimes it's a, a kind of a quieter, a quieter mood um, mm. that I seem to see. I mean, I tend to, to look at a lot of, of, you know, other photographers and, um, I, I see that there is there's sometimes a difference and I and I do feel you know that maybe you know we as women should also be kind of banding together and doing you know things on YouTube and stuff and that's you know maybe our fault for not getting out there I know I'm you know I'm on the cusp of doing something like that but it's taking those final steps to kind of get there so maybe we need to shout a bit louder um, but um, yeah I I, I I, I feel like, you know, when, when you kind of go on, you know, somewhere like YouTube to, to look up landscape photography tutorials or landscape photography in general, it is, you know, it is mainly guys that are doing it out there. So to some extent, they are setting a standard of what landscape photography is. But maybe as women, you know, we need to step up and uh, start producing our own stuff. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Jennifer? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I was just going to agree with Sarah and Verena on a number of things that they said with things that I have also experienced. Um, I haven't experienced the watermark thing. So Verena, that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I 
didn't even occur to me that that could even be a thing. And it's sad that it is. Um, Most of the time when people are looking for images, like David and I will just give them our images. And I would say usually we're about equal in the ones they submit, but that's definitely a thinking point, my goodness. And also kind of what Sarah was saying, you know, there is, and actually Verena, there's always that one guy like in the audience. That's why I'm always afraid of like, question and answer sessions after a presentation that I give because you know and no offense guys out there but it has yet to happen from a woman when I've been up there and I've seen other women get the same type of treatment but yes there's always that one guy that just seems to get great pleasure in trying to nail you to make you look stupid on stage like just trying to get you to answer a question that he knows that you're not going to hit it right on the mark and it's just really sad and I'd like to see a day when that doesn't happen but I think we're far out from that But yeah, the one example I was going to give of just how I think one of the limitations with especially working alongside of David is that I'm just not taken professionally or realistically sometimes like I'm not treated the same like at the end of a workshop like a year or two ago, um, you know, it was a very intense workshop. We were in the field, you know, I helped everyone just like David did. And at the end of the workshop, one of the guys came up and said, thanks, David, for your great instruction. It was, you know, your lessons were right on, you know, I've become a better photographer. And then they looked right at me and said, thanks for being a good host. (laughs) And it was like, okay, I'm pretty sure I taught you just as much as David, but because I was the woman, it was just like, oh yeah, thanks for, you know, being a good host and being polite. And it was just, you know, I was just floored. It's like, okay, so I'm not being taken seriously. But those types of things, it's just, you know, they don't happen often. And this is not a bash on men. I mean, so many out there are wonderful people and awesome apples. It's just, there's always a few that just kind of pinch you back into the reality of, yeah, you know, we're definitely not treated as equals. And um, expanding on what Victoria said, I would love to get into YouTube. You know, I agree with her. There's just, it's a woman desert out there as far as landscape photographers. And I think we have so much to offer, but I think a big concern of mine holding me back. And this is an awful concern to have, but my gosh, the trolls and the comments and everything. I think that's mostly what keeps me off of YouTube. It's, you know, I I just don't want to see the comments, you know, that you see sometimes other women are getting. And I know you can turn those off, but I think it's a big fear. You know, we have concerns about our appearance and certain physical traits that you know, people will pick up on and maybe just focus on. I mean, there there are cruel people all over the world, but it's honestly, it's been one of the limitations keeping me back from going into YouTube. And I know it's sad and you should just have confidence in who you are, but it's a very real thing. Mm. Uh, Anna. Yeah. I mean, I'd echo what, um, what everyone said, really. Um, I think photography aside, we live um, certainly um, in the Western world in a very deeply patriarchal culture that's that goes back um, centuries, millennia, and um, and it's so deeply embedded into our daily lives that we almost don't notice that it's happening. Um, and definitely, um, I mean, just on what Jennifer said, I think women are less willing, uh, less comfortable with putting themselves out there, um, contributing to to competitions online discussions and so on. Um, and I think it, it does give significant limitations as to how women progress in, in photography. Um, and, I mean, going back to what um, Sarah started with, with um, the um, guys getting together on backpacking trips, etc. cetera, um, I mean, I, I've 
I definitely see that as well. And I, I do feel personally that there's um, fewer opportunities generally for women um, to do those kind of things. Um, and from my personal perspective, I think even more so where as a, as a mum to young children, you know, you have so many responsibilities at home that it's, it's very difficult, even with um, an extremely supportive husband to say, okay, you take the kids for a week, I'm, I'm going off on this backpacking trip. Um, it's just not going to happen at this stage in their lives. So, um, so yeah, I definitely feel limited in that respect. Do you, do you feel that, um, if you were to organize a trip like that, where you had like 50% men and 50% women doing like a weekend backpacking trip that it would be well received? I think you mean from a family point of view or... Oh, no, I mean, like, uh, with the other photographers. Um, I think it depends on who those individuals are um, and what their, you know, what they bring to the table, what their own experiences have been in the past and what what they could contribute to, um, you know, a trip like that. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, if any of you guys invited me to go backpacking, I'd be down, so I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Try to keep up, uh, Jesse. Um, I just wanted to echo. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I just wanted to echo what Anna was saying that you know, in talking about preferences in style of photography and the images that we're seeing selected for certain things, because our society is a patriarchal society and has been for basically all of of recorded history the default is male preferences and women historically, not only in photography, but in a myriad of industries have always had to keep up with the tick mark of, of where that bar has already been set that we are usually newcomers in an industry. And the choice feels binary in that you either need to match what's currently been done or you try to go your own way, but that way is, has, has almost no footing. Um, so it's, it's an uphill battle in all senses of the word and, and trying to think as, you know, the idea of even this podcast, you understandably have not had a men in photography podcast that women get highlighted as women specifically from a gendered view, whereas men are not making, they are not having to answer these questions. They are on your podcast talking about their art or their trips or their ideas. And we are on this Mm -hmm. podcast talking about our femaleness. Right. (laughs) And that's a good point. (laughs) Um, Sandra. Yeah, and I must add to this that um, what I'm missing in this um, discussion, not only in this one, but in the general discussion of this, is that we should celebrate what we do, and we do have a different voice, and uh, we do different photography, and maybe this photography is not as accepted in a male-dominated world, um, but, I mean, like turning on to YouTube and uh, just... um, like doing everything that men do in order to catch attention um, is probably, as many of you said, uh, not not what you feel 
is the right thing and uh, just to do it in order to keep up. I don't know if this is a solution. You know, I prefer that there is a silent personal voice that many women have. Uh, and because of that silentness, we don't get many of those because we don't come across them too often. Um, uh, but it would be sad if we would all be similar, like, uh, and if, if we would try to emulate what men do. Right. I'm curious, uh, Danny, you haven't spoken yet. Do you have anything to, <laughs> that you want to add? <laughs> Every time I think I have a, a an idea, someone, uh, uh, some of these wonderful women have have taken it out of my head. So it's it's all gone. It's completely empty in there. I have nothing else. To add. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Well, well, we'll just make sure to make you go first on the next one. So no, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So I actually I think this is an interesting segue. Um, to talk a little bit about um, safety. Um, I think this is another one of those things to Jesse's point that men don't have to necessarily think as much about, but uh, basically the question is, do you feel safe spending time in nature alone and what precautions, if any, do you take? And I'd be curious if you, and I'm sure you're going to, spin it this way a little bit, but what precautions do you take that perhaps men don't have to take? So I saw Jesse's hand go up really fast. So Yeah, this question is of particular interest to me because I do spend so much time in wilderness spaces on my own. And honestly, when I first read this question, my, my response is what makes me feel unsafe in the wilderness is skin cancer and sprained ankles. And neither has anything to do <laughs> with me being a woman. <laughs> um, and I've thought a lot about it. I, I, since I spend so much time outdoors alone, I, I think about my safety a lot. And, and really none of it, I wouldn't say anything that I do has any, is any different than a male should be doing in that I'm making sure I know what the weather is going to do. I know the conditions that I'm walking into and I'm prepared to take care of myself if something goes awry. But I, I have talked to a lot of women that are nervous in the outdoors alone because of other people. And, and I think that that has something to do with the inherent danger that women feel everywhere, not just in the wilderness, but in the parking lot of their grocery store and unfortunately for many women in their own homes. So I think that, again, this is what we're experiencing as females that are, that are practicing photography in wilderness areas is simply an echoing of what women are experiencing in other areas as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Danny, go for it. Uh, well, originally I'm from Ontario where it was a bit more kind of people around and I always had to worry about two-legged predators and I'd always have a knife in my camera bag with me just in case um, but then moving at west and living in Banff it took a couple years to kind of get out of the mindset that there's going to be someone kind of might be around and might be in um, kind of danger um, and then that's kind of shifted towards the four-legged predators and so I still carry a knife, but I still, I now have bear spray with me, even when the bears are not around. Um, it's good to kind of, I always have two forms of, of kind of 
defense um, with me at all times. And it's, it's something that I always have to kind of think about. Um, it's nice to be in the wilderness that I'm in, that there's less kind of less of that to worry about because people are there on vacation and it's kind of, it's a bubble of, of almost zero crime and it's nothing compared to what some other people kind of have to worry about, but it's, it's still something that I do have to worry about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Victoria. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I personally, I tend to not feel too worried at all when I'm actually out kind of in the more wilderness or, uh, places like that it's when I get closer to town and I have had a couple of issues when I'm shooting um, nature photography but close to town and I there was one particular incident where you know it was after dark when I'd finished shooting and uh, there was a guy just like in the bushes I don't know what he was doing but it was kind of freaky and you know I actually had to call my husband to come down to, to kind of walk me through the area to get away and I mean you know it, it could be it could be me overreacting to something, but I think in general, women tend to, we are programmed to be more cautious of uh, those kind of situations. But when I'm actually out in, you know, in the backcountry or in the, you know, away from town, I I, I don't really have any worries, um, you know, about people particularly. Um, and I tend to have my dog with me quite a lot. And like Danny, you know, I have my bear spray. So, I mean, it works just as well if you need to. <laughs> unfortunately use it on a person you know I've got that with me um so I I don't tend to feel too unsafe and I I try not to think about it too much but there is always in the back of my mind just you know I'm always just a little bit cautious and I always let somebody know where I'm heading to as well just so that they know Mm. so yeah uh Verena yeah I um I've had sort of a similar experience um where I was I was actually teaching in Death Valley. Jay was there. We had a whole group um, that we were teaching. And I had a guy come up to me in the middle of a, a lesson. You know, I was trying to talk to my group and he interrupted me and started talking to me. He was uh, apparently from Germany and he had come to Death Valley because he heard that I would be teaching there um, and just happened to show up at the the same place we were uh, that morning. So he, he had been looking for me came up. That's not creepy. Not at all. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, he started talking to me. He, it was really hard to, to sort of get a word in edgewise. He was telling me how he'd been following my work for years and my blog and all that. And then, you know, I finally said, I'm sorry, I'm trying to teach and kind of put him off. I you know, was trying not to be rude, but at the same time I was trying to teach a workshop. Um, that evening he was staying at the same hotel. Um, so we saw him again, which felt a little weird, but okay. Uh, and then the next morning at, uh, I don't know, four o'clock in the morning, something like that, we had our group up and ready to go out um, uh, to catch an early sunrise. Um, and he was waiting to to follow us out there. Um, of course, we didn't know he was going to follow us at first, but he's just sort of sitting there in the same area where we were meeting. And then we all get in our cars and two cars join our line of cars from the side of the road. Uh, we get out, walk out into the dunes and they're following us out into the dunes. And so, you know, a couple of the guys from our group actually confronted these, these two guys and said, you guys need to leave. This is, you know, inappropriate. But, um, if I had been there alone and that had happened, I can tell you absolutely. I would not have been going out into the dunes that morning. I would have stayed home because 
I don't know who these guys are. They showed up, you know, from from Europe. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> you know, so That's yeah, wild. yeah, it's very, very strange. And again, the vast majority of people are fine, but I don't know when the crazy one's going to show up. Um, for years, I never mentioned my children um, on online, on our blog. Uh, most people, when I told them we had children, were totally floored. They had no idea that I had any children at all um, because, you know, I would get weird comments online or, you know, threatening comments every now and then. And my concern was that if they knew I had children, maybe they could figure out where I live and they show up at my house. Um, I just didn't want to add that to the mix for them to know, you know, whoever them is, right? This, this, whoever who might show up, I didn't want them to show up at, at my door. I guess if it's got to be somewhere, I'd rather it was in the middle of Death Valley rather than where my children live. You know, I mean, things like that, it, it gives you this sense that um, you're not safe, even if they didn't have any bad intentions. Who knows, right? Maybe they just wanted to learn from us, but it's still very awkward because you're in this, you're in a place where it, it wouldn't be hard for somebody to just, you know, take you down if that's what they wanted to do. So, uh, right. yeah, I mean, I have, I have self-defense training, um, you know, I've, I've uh, studied some, some martial arts and, you know, at least I feel a little more confident with that. But, but yeah, it's definitely uh, an issue. I'm always keeping my eyes wide open. Mm. Yeah, I mean, as a man, I also am afraid of the two-legged variety of animal in the wilderness, uh, but probably for, you know, just different reasons. And I've also had just ridiculous run-ins with, with people. Like I had this one experience where these, the, these drunk, like 19, 18, 19, 20 year olds drove through our campsite. And it was my wife and I, and our, at the time, like one-year-old son and my parents, and they drove through our campsite screaming and yelling and and screaming about how we took their campsite. And then wow. they drove down the road like a hundred yards and were shooting their guns all night and playing loud music. Oh and then later on they came up and threatened us with their gun because we wouldn't help them fix their flat tire. I mean, it was just a crazy experience, but um, wow. I think, you know, that I can only imagine that experience through the lens of someone who, has to think about that all the time. <laughs> People are crazy. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's um, shift to the topic a little bit and um, feel free to raise your hand as soon as you hear it. But uh, do you feel women are represented fairly in this profession? And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to pick on Jennifer. No oh boy. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think we are to the full extent. Um, I still see, I've got a few examples and hopefully people don't come after me with their pitchforks when I say this. Um, <laughs> but I truly, truly believe that we really aren't represented fairly. Um, an example of this is a lot of the photo contests that you see. And I think, you know, and I, I don't know the details of, you know, how they're run in the background, but it just, it always depresses me year after year to see 
you know, here are a hundred men whose images got chosen. And then there's like two female names, maybe two images from females in the same category. And I don't know if it's just that there's not enough of us out there or if, you know, it's just still that much, you know, that more male dominated. Um, but I've also seen, like, I just heard this, um, from a company that said that, you know, they don't have many women representing them because, you know, well, our demographic, you know, is men. Well, I don't really buy that for a second. I mean, there are so many of us out there and you, you seem to see the same, like, you know, few female names out there, which is totally great. You know, Hey, you guys are representing, but it would be so nice to just see so many more of us out there, you know, sharing our story and being represented because it's, it's really not all a man's field. I think a lot of misconceptions are that, you know, all the women photographers are doing, you know, maternity photography, wedding photography, baby photography. And I mean, that's just not true. In the last few years, since David and I have been doing workshops together, our demographic has shifted greatly to almost more women than men. And it's, it's happened since I joined on, which is wonderful. I mean, it's been really fun. Sometimes on our workshops, you know, in the beginning, I was kind of used to, you know, five guys and me, you know, and David. And now it's the women sometimes outnumber David. And, you know, we give them a hard time about that. And those workshops are kind of fun. Um, but... <laughs> Um, but I mean, I think that's a positive thing that we are attracting more women and we're out there. It's just, like I said, I don't think sometimes we're given the same equality shake and we're represented as fairly. And I think this stigma of that, you know, photography is still a man's world. Just, we just need to shatter that because that's just not the case. There are so many of us out there. We just haven't been given a chance. I'm curious not to like put stereotypes into place in terms of, you know, what men and women t typically are in terms of like aggressive versus passive and all of those kinds of tropes. But I'm curious, do you think part of the equation is that women just aren't putting themselves out there in the same aggressive style that men are? Do you think that's a variable? It could be. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. And it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. But I, I mean, yeah. I do know a lot of my colleagues that have, you know, entered the same comp competitions or, you know, reached out to companies and, you know, the outcome has always been the same where they're, you know, they're just kind of given the same excuse of, oh, well, yeah, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, appeal to this demographic and, you know, that's awesome that you want to be on board and we'll consider you for the future. But, you know, I just look forward to the day that that's not the case. As far as competitions and things like that go, I don't know. Maybe women just aren't putting themselves out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'd be curious to see that statistic. Because Sandra. I know that they can't choose images. Oh. I mean, I know that they're not choosing images like, oh, this is a guy, this is a woman. I mean, and if they are behind closed doors, then shame on them. But, you know, I'm not saying <laughs> that. I just, you know, like I said, I don't know if they are or it's just they're not putting themselves out there. Right. Uh, Sandra? I can bring some light into that because I'm organizing uh, with my colleagues a European Wildlife Photographer of the Year competition. So we do have statistics about women taking part. And um, usually in a year, it's about 15% of the female taking part in the competition. And it's about 10 to 15% winning each year. Um, so uh, the, the, the numbers are actually not <laughs> as far apart. Um, 
the interesting thing is that um, in the past, when we uh, like showed our winning images and when, when we had the winning photographers on stage, sometimes there was not a single woman on stage. And, and especially men commented on that and, and, and said, yeah, but maybe you have a female jury. And uh, we did this experiment two years ago where we had a jury that was uh, three female um, photographers and uh, two, two male photographers. And what's interesting is that, of course, you diminish your own entry entries. So, I mean, like we had three women that couldn't take part in the competition because they were judging. And um, uh, those were, of course, professional women with great images that usually win something. And... Um, And, and the result was interesting, too, because, uh, of course, our judging is completely anonymous. But um, uh, that year, there was 1% of female winning. So of um, 89 images that we usually award, there was one woman. Um, and uh, wow. so, it, I mean, like, I, I really, again, I can't explain why it's so less women winning, but I can explain that there's definitely fewer women taking part in competition. Uh, so that's one thing. <laughs> Then the other thing I wanted to um, add on is that I think if you are a great nature photographer, landscape photographer, and you are invited, and as I think Sarah mentioned this in the first um, topic, uh, that you have opportunities if you are a woman, because there are so few of us that if you are good, You are invited because people want to have this gender equality thing. So I think if you are out there and I see it in the European nature photography scene, if you have a good presentation on a festival, you will get invited by all European festivals eventually because there are so few of us that you are kind of almost overrepresented in a way. Um, so, so that's one thing. And um, the third thing that I want to add with the workshops, very interesting <laughs> what um, uh, uh, I think Jennifer said uh, is, that I feel that women tend to visit workshops where it's more about them developing their personal style rather than just going on location and uh, practicing technical stuff. Um, so uh, fr from, because I'm, I'm offering workshops that are much more intended on, on personal grow as a photographer. And uh, I have a like a lot, much larger amount of women in my workshops um, than, than men. So that's uh, an interesting observation. That is an interesting observation. I feel like there's a lot more, for me personally, I would much rather go on a workshop where it was more about developing your personal vision than just going to a destination. But uh, that's interesting. Sarah? When I think about this issue, so if the question is, are women better represented than, say, we were five years ago? I think absolutely that from when I started in nature photography, say 10 years ago, and I looked around at the people who were on forums or who were making even a partial living at nature photography and they were a woman, I could count those people on one hand probably. And now just looking at this list of people that we have uh, in this discussion and then the number of women that I know who are either doing really high quality work or and or trying to make a living at it, it's dozens and dozens of people. So that alone shows, I think, that there is more opportunity than there was a couple of years ago. I think things like conferences are getting a lot better at featuring women. So that feels like a big accomplishment that a lot of 
uh, organizers feel like they do want gender diversity and they do want a diversity of voices and styles and that they're making a really deliberate attempt to uh, invite women to participate in those kinds of events. I think that's that's another big sign of progress, even though there are still a couple of, I I've just saw one photo festival that had zero women out of like 15 instructors. So there are still some that aren't making that kind of representation a priority, but I think on the whole, it is getting much better. I think some companies are taking that more gender diversity and diversity of voices and styles a lot more seriously as well. Uh, But I think when we talk about representation, in some ways it doesn't matter as much as it used to, uh, because with fewer gatekeepers, traditional gatekeepers like magazine editors or people who are choosing speakers for a conference or businesses, like if you had to go through those people to make a living in this field, I do think it would be harder for women because we don't necessarily have access to those networks like we were talking about earlier in the same way that men do. But it doesn't matter as much anymore in a lot of ways because we have access to audiences in a way that we didn't 10 years ago. So you can start your own YouTube channel. You can be really active on Instagram. You can develop a really great mailing list and you don't need to go through any gatekeeper to do that. And that that brings tremendous opportunity for women who might not have the networks and might not have the connections to work, to build a career through a more traditional gatekeeper type structure. So I do think we are making progress with those more traditional institutions and organizations, but we don't. We can still be successful without them. So I think those two dynamics together make it a lot more possible to make an income through photography, or if you're not interested in an income, just to develop an audience for your art. So I would say those are a couple of really positive developments from my perspective. Sarah, I wanted to ask you a follow-up to that um, in terms of seeing the historical change in terms of representation. I'm curious what you think some of the causes of that change are. Nature photography is just a lot more popular than it used to be. Um, I think some of the barriers to entry are lower. um, And that women are just as interested in nature as men. Probably one reason is that there are more women to look look towards for role models. So that if you say you're a, a young mother who wants to make a career out of nature photography, 10 years ago, Elizabeth Carmel was like the person you could look to as the person who was making that happen. Now you can look to 15 examples or 20, 30, 40, 50 examples uh, where it just feels more realistic, I think, because you can actually see a career a career path. If you're not looking at it for a career path, I think it's the same thing. You can still see women doing really inspirational work, women getting out and doing things, getting out into nature without being worried about being alone or um, finding groups of people that you can get out with so you don't have to worry about those things. Like they're just, there are more avenues maybe just because there are more of us than there were 10 years ago. Mm. Yeah. Sandra? Um, I I would agree completely to Sarah um, uh, on this, uh, especially uh, with Uh, not having the gatekeepers, I experienced many years ago um, because it's very noticeable that especially uh, editors at uh, big uh, uh, photo magazines tend to be um, female. And uh, um, I experienced on quite a lot of festivals that there was always a bunch of male photographers clinging around these female editors, getting their attention. And 
um, I experienced more often than none that um, I was being called arrogant because I didn't do that. And people like the editors later told me in a private conversation, oh, why did you never approach me? You know, I thought you were really arrogant. And I said, well, I was just humble. You know, I just didn't think I should approach you because so many people are approaching you all the time. So um, I think there's really a different approach that female do or, or, or yeah, have. And um, and I think that, that uh, because we have other channels now, it's that we are like eventually growing from, from below and uh, getting more and more. So I, I don't have so many concerns about it, even though I'm, I mean, like I'm very often confronted with the questions why we are so, so few. You know, it's interesting. You know, I've had lots of conversations with photographers here on the podcast and predominantly males. Um, but what I've found in terms of the people that are successful from a business perspective, there is a um, kind of a, a trend that I've noticed in terms of, you know, people are being pretty, I don't want to use the word aggressive, but they are approach, you know, you use the word approaching a, a magazine editor. And I think men in this industry, because of those gender things that we talked about earlier, they are more, maybe, maybe I'm overgeneralizing, but it seems like they might be more comfortable just approaching random people in the industry to pitch an idea or pitch a project or put themselves out there um, and are much, I don't know, they're, they're okay with rejection, I guess, or and they're okay with just <laughs> randomly approaching people they don't even know to pitch a business idea, which is, I mean, I don't like to do that personally, but I think it seems like a lot of guys are more comfortable doing that. Yeah, I think they just don't care. Yeah. Anna. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with everything that um, Sandra and Sarah were saying um, with the gatekeepers, et cetera, et cetera. And I think um, just really to add, um, just on a more general level, I think we're seeing increased conversations about what women can bring to the table, um, not just in photography, but at every level of our daily lives. And, you know, when you look at how um, businesses are evolving um, generally people want to have women at the top level. Um, you know, it's, it's not, um, so much about equality and so anymore. Um, it's not about women becoming, behaving in the same way as, um, men in terms of that aggression that you're talking about, but it's more about, you know, what women can actually add to, um, businesses and to the field. And I think that applies equally to photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. I was having a similar conversation a couple of days ago with uh, a woman photographer named Tony Torino. And um, I was talking about in my professional life where I manage people and interview people. And, you know, what I look for in employees is people that can uh, provide value that I can't provide, you know, have skill sets that I don't have to kind of shore up some of my personal deficits. And I think um, what I've found in interviews with men and women over the years is that men are much more comfortable in interviews, like kind of putting them, you know, talking highly of themselves, which I think per is perceived one way uh, by the interviewer. And I think sometimes women have a different approach to how they present themselves or represent themselves, which I've, maybe that's just my own 
kind of observation, but some, I think some of that translates over into what we're talking about in terms of interacting with gatekeepers and things like that. I saw Verena's hand go up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny because I actually think that a lot of this is very true. I mean, if you compare Jay and I, certainly, you know, he, he's much more willing to walk into, uh, you know, any meeting and, and tell them how amazing he is. And, you know, that's, that's great. More power to him. I'm much more likely to, to, I mean, I just feel very uncomfortable doing that, you know, even tooting my own horn. It just feels very awkward to me. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily a male-female difference, although it it may be to some extent. Um, But I do think that uh, there's um, sort of the the person you're talking to, or, you know, maybe all of us, I, I don't mean to suggest this is only some people, but I think we all have this sort of sense that, uh, a man doing that, you know, telling you about how great he is, is okay. Whereas um, there's sort of this feeling that if, if women do it, it's, it's weird or, you know, it just doesn't fit. Um, right. So, you know, and, and I don't just mean men, I think men and women both have these biases where we feel like even, even the value of women's art when they, you know, do, um, uh, experiments where they they show the same works of art to to men versus women and and just give them different uh, names for the artist male versus female it, it's it's very common that uh, the the men's supposedly men's work is valued higher both by men and women um, and you know I mean they've done studies like this all over the world uh, they actually did a, a really interesting study where um, Actually, this wasn't even a study. This is just they they uh, they decided there weren't enough you know women being uh, admitted to orchestras. There were it was all men, and they said, "What's going on here?" You know, we know there are women who play beautifully out there. So they said, "We're going to do these uh, auditions uh, behind a curtain." So they did, and it, it it was the same. The result was the same. But then they said, "Well, what if we have them take off their shoes?" because the women were all wearing high heels. So everybody knew it was a woman when they walked in. Uh, And uh, uh when they did that, again, it just totally changed all the women. uh, I mean, you know, it it was much closer to equal. And so as much as, you know, I'd really like to be able to say, I think that, you know, women are just sort of inherently different or women are just, you know, we have a different um, way of approaching things. I do. I do think that's true to some extent, but there is a bias um, I think towards the value of man's work versus the value of women's work. And, mm. you know, it, it, it's in all of us, not just in men, it's in women too. Um, you know, so I think my goal, at least as, as a parent has been to help teach my own children, both male and female, my boys and my girls, um, you know, to try to point out to them that that bias is there without being obnoxious about it, but just, you know, hey, pay attention to your own biases because we all have a part in making it right. Yeah, and social psychology, we call that implicit bias. Yes, exactly, implicit bias, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Jesse. Yeah, I just wanted to comment. I don't, but when we are talking about, even in your example, Matt, of women and men interviewing differently, that you know, a lot of this goes back to how we've been socialized and expected to communicate as with a gender binary. Um, 
that in a lot of ways I've always been Mm -hmm. a fairly vocal, direct communicator. And that has not been received well in a lot of different scenarios. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, and I, by men, by men and women, I'm assuming. Exactly. Exactly. It is, it is um, unnerving to hear a woman communicate as directly as men communicate in a lot of circumstances. And we change the way we behave based on people's reactions to how we behave. And if it's effective, you know, I've had conversations actually with other women on this panel about different things in, in the photography industry. And they voiced concerns that if they were vocal about certain topics, that it would impact their work. Um, as somebody that doesn't practice photography professionally, I don't have to worry as much about that. But I think that that's a really um, important concern that women have, that if they communicate in a certain way, it will have negative repercussions for them in the long run. Well, and going back to your earlier point, Jesse, those are things that typically men don't even have to think about, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean... We all yeah. know there's some brash and direct men in landscape photography and they are they're they're viewed at, in a different way than than I think a female would be if she were communicating in the same fashion. Right, they're viewed as strong and opinionated whereas a woman might be uh, viewed as I don't even know what the what people would be thinking but it probably isn't that Shrill, bossy, harsh. Right. It's right. your trouble. You're a bitch. Right. You're too opinionated, you know, especially about gender issues, because then it just becomes like you're an angry female that just like hates men. I mean, that's the argument that I, I hear a lot when feminist talk topics are brought up is, oh, well, feminists hate men, which as a feminist is, is not my position at all. My position is that I, I strongly disapprove of misogyny and patriarchy and, and men and women are part of both men and women are part of both of those systems that, that serve neither gender. Right. Right. Uh, Sandra. I just wanted to add, uh, I mean, like, uh, I think, uh, it's right. What Jesse said, um, that we are brought up like this and this plays a huge role in how we react to things. And I had to urge and persuade women to be on stage as a speaker. Um, and, and many of them declined. So there's, I mean, like, you know, we are always complaining that there are not many of us on stage or as a speaker lineup or whatever. Uh, but very often it's our own approach to being on stage as well. Um, and I had this num- numerous times, um, so it's it's not a singular event. Well, and I will just say, hosting the podcast, I've had lots of men who have had the, I don't want to use the word courage, but, you know, or audacity, but people don't have a problem reaching out to me and say, hey, you should have me on your podcast and here's why. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever, ever had a woman do that to me once, you know, I've had to beg women to come onto the podcast. So uh, it is interesting how that plays out in the, you know, in terms of how, I mean, I feel like that has to play some role in terms of whether or not you're 
represented uh, accurately or not in terms of the quality of work rising and being seen mm-hmm. has to play some role. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's shift gears a little bit. I was wondering what would each of you like to see in the future uh, for women in this profession? And I guess maybe a twist on that could be what would you like to see in the future just in general? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm going to pick on Danny. (laughs) More, more women, more confidence in women, um, which will just be, it'll kind of more confidence will come with more people, more women doing um, podcasts like this, more um, women doing uh, YouTube and kind of having this, having to have this discussion, not have to be a discussion anymore, that it's all kind of, it's, it's just landscape photography, landscape photographers. There's, there's no kind of separation and and bias in general, but big dreams. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've had a few women email me and say, we, I want to hear more women on the podcast. (laughs) It's like, I'm trying. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jennifer. I think I think the main thing I would love to see is just dropping the women in front of landscape photographer. Like I'd like all of us to just be landscape nature photographers. So I think that would be something awesome to see. Um, You're here. Yes. <laughs> and also um, kind of going off what Danny just said. Yes. Like I think you know, getting our confidence up and getting out there and, you know, maybe getting into the YouTube world. And I mean, I know I've talked to myself, you know, thinking, you know, okay, you can do this, you know, just go out and give it a try. But yeah, I think, you know, just, we all just need to keep building each other up and supporting each other. You know, that's one of the positives I definitely like about, you know, women in landscape photography is we are all very uplifting and, um, you know, very positive with each other. And I, you know, I just, I want to see more of that keep going because, you know, a high tide sails all ships. I know Matt, you like to use that term a lot and it's one of my favorite ones, but you know, it's very important, especially when you have a group of us like this, you know, it's just, it's good camaraderie and it's great to see. So I think, you know, just more of us getting out there, you know, being more involved and just seeing the stigma kind of go away of, well, she's a woman, you know, a, la- a woman landscape photographer. No, I'm just, I'm a nature landscape photographer. It's set <laughs> a total equal playing field. Yeah. Um, I know, Sarah, you have some opinions on this. Um, I, like Jennifer was talking about the example of the company that's like, well, women aren't part of our demographic. Like, I'd like to see that kind of stuff go away because just in teaching photography workshops and speaking at conferences and going to photo clubs, the audience is often at least a third women and sometimes half or even more. So this assumption among editors and among uh, companies that offer sponsorships and other the, uh, the tra- traditional gatekeepers, magazine editors, whatever, just making the assumption that there isn't an audience among women to see other women doing this kind of thing. I, w- I wish that that would go away. Uh, not necessarily because I think it's necessary to 
for all of us to be successful with whatever our goals are. But I think because it would it would just be nice to see more women represented in those places because I think we do sometimes have different perspectives, different voices, different styles, um, and just being able to see more equality in those places, I think would be encouraging. Um, and generally, I would just like to see women going forth in this field with a lot of confidence that they see role models that they, and they can find mentors and coaches that can help them along the way and achieve their goals in a way that wasn't possible when I started out. Uh, Because I think now that there are more women in, in this field, there are more people to turn to for advice and support than when I started out. So I, I just like to continue to see that growing because especially when you look at a career, like trying to do this as a career, I feel like those things are some of the most important things to be successful, like knowing that you have somebody to turn to to say, you know, I really want to start video, but I'm worried about I, my self-confidence I, is a challenge. I'm worried about tr- attracting trolls. Like, how do I get over some of those things? And having another woman to talk to who's maybe been there before can help get over some of those humps. So just having more of a community of people that can help women get over some of those things, um, I think we'll just continue building this field and help uh, women have more confidence to say, I can do this. I can put myself out there. Um, and I I see those things changing, but I just like to see more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Victoria. Yeah, following on from what Sarah was saying, I mean, for me personally, being approached by Nikon Canada to become an ambassador was a massive kind of validation for me. And I think um, seeing, you know, they have three out of four of their ambassadors are women and um, they're being kind of led by a group of very strong women at the helm um, within Nikon Canada, that kind of, that that personally helps me. I'm sure it helps other women to see um, women being elevated in that way. And, and certainly, you know, I, I'm one of those people that doesn't have a huge amount of confidence in, in my work and, you know, but to have, you know, somebody like Nikon Canada approach you and ask you to be an ambassador, that that's a massive thing that really helps um, to grow confidence. And hopefully um, other women seeing that too would help them as well. Mm. Anna? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd like to see um, people value what a woman can bring um, to the field and and value them as individuals, what they can contribute um, to to teaching, um, to art, um, and not be, as others have said, you know, not be a a woman landscape photographer, but be a landscape photographer who's valued for their individual style. Um, in exactly the same way as any individual man would be. Um, I mean, it's not, whilst we've talked about women maybe having softer styles, um, that can apply to men too. Um, So rather than, you know, having this binary of men having this style and women having the other style, you know, just really to be valued for their own individual um, art forms. Mm. Jesse. Yeah, I think when looking forward, what I would love to see is just more voices in general. Um, It's important to note that we are all females that have experienced varying degrees of oppression within photography, but there are also voices that have experienced much more. 
that looking at landscape photography in general, there's very few voices from people of color, of people with less socioeconomically advantaged backgrounds that I would like to find ways to hear from from more people to see more work from people of, of different backgrounds. Yeah, that's actually something that I've been thinking about myself in terms of, especially around pe- people of color, because when you, when you look around, there's not a ton of people of color in this profession, um, which, you know, that's a whole other topic, but yeah, yeah, I'd love to see more of that myself. <clears throat> Sandra. Um, I wanted to add um, that uh, I would like to see um, more more female producing meaningful work as well. Um, I have the feeling that apart maybe uh, like uh, this panel where we are all professional photographers more or less, but uh, from the vast majority of um, female photographers out there, um, there's they tend to have a lot of um, different things they do. And this is why I feel very often they don't focus as much as male um, to just uh, make this different and I, I would like um, that that like women start to work more and more intense on their own projects and meaningful work um, and, and and to have the confidence to speak out uh, and uh, yeah be more out there yeah something something Anna said earlier kind of prompted me to ask a follow-up for you all and I'm curious. Do you, do you guys feel that um, a woman that women bring something different to the profession that men don't, um, or do you feel like you bring the same things but just people don't see it? I don't know if my question is clear, but does anyone want to take a stab at it, <laughs> Anna? Yeah, I mean, I think what I meant by that is that you know everyone has their own ontology um their own their own backgrounds everything that feeds into who you are as a person feeds into your photography as well so yeah I just wanted to expand a little bit on that yeah I don't know whether that's answered your question exactly but yeah for sure Uh, maybe more specifically do you feel do any of you feel that like in the education space do you feel that and again Unfortunately, I'm stereotyping a little bit, but do you do you see women as being able to offer a different style or approach or things in general that can be taught that perhaps men aren't as good at um, or maybe typically aren't thought of in terms of being known for? Does that, I don't know if that makes sense. Because <laughs> I think a lot of you... Oh, Verena, go ahead. Yeah, um, so I... My my approach to this is that um, it's not necessarily that women and men are are teaching differently, though of course there may be some some sort of like you said maybe stereotypical or or maybe very real differences in how uh, men versus women approach things. But I think I think the sort of the, the tragedy, if you will, that's happening here is that there are a lot of voices that aren't being heard. There's a lot of value in those voices uh, and, and we're not hearing it. Um, whether or not we teach in a different style maybe isn't the point. I think that uh, to me, at least, you know, I have many, many students that I've worked with. And if I could 
go in and say, you know, you would be an amazing teacher. You would be an amazing teacher if I could bring those people together and, you know, just hear the individual voices. I think you'd be surprised at the enormous variety um, and the people who don't have as much confidence or the people who don't feel welcome, uh, the people who are pushed out uh, for whatever reason, those voices are are valuable and they're being lost. And I think there's, I think that's the the problem with any situation where either women aren't included or don't feel welcome or where minorities aren't included or don't feel welcome, whatever it is, we're losing out because we're not hearing that variety of voices. That diversity really matters. You learn a lot when people approach things from different angles and have different views. So what what can we do as a community of photographers to improve upon that reality? So I think that... Um, I mean, one of the things that, that Jay and I are doing specifically with our business is we have gone out of our way to make sure that we have, you know, an equal number of men and women represented on visual wilderness. We actually reach out to people all the time and say, hey, would you like to write for us? Um, are you interested in, in working with us? Um, do you want to film video courses and, and work with us? And we try really hard to make sure that we have a, a pretty even number of men and women. And of course, we're also looking for that diversity as well, um, which as you had mentioned is, is pretty difficult sometimes. Um, I don't think we have nearly as much trouble finding women as we do finding minorities. Um, but for us, the hardest thing is that we're not just looking for people who are amazing photographers. We're also looking for people who have other skill sets. Uh, they need to be able to write well, or uh, they need to be able to teach well. Um, you know, and, and those are those are really just completely different things. They're completely different skill sets. So it's a lot to ask. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, this is a great segue for this question. What advice do you have on encourage or encouraging words uh, do you have for other women that are wanting to get into this profession or in, just into landscape and nature photography in general? And uh, looking at my sheet here, I am going to have Jennifer go first. Um, I think I would just tell anyone coming in is to just be yourself and represent yourself with your photography. Um, you know, don't try to be anyone else to be seen better or, you know, try to attract people to your work, you know, just attract people to your work by doing exactly that, doing you. Um, staying true to yourself, I think is really important, especially in our field. And, you know, I would just say, you know, go for it. You know, I, I, this was a dream of mine for a long time. You know, when I was back working in a clinic, I did photography as a hobby and then just said, you know what, I need kind of a life change. And it was on the heels of a major life change. And I, you know, I just said, let's just go for it. Um, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and follow your dreams. You know, I mean, the more passionate you are about this, it comes through not only in your imagery, but also you connect with other people. And, you know, networking is a good thing, you know, supporting other photographers, you know, men and women, even if it's just something like leaving comments on their work on social media, you know, just, you know, be sociable. And I know most of us are introverts. Um, you know, I am too, in certain cases. But yeah, just reaching out to people and lifting each other up and, you know, making those connections, you know, even if it's just, you know, meeting a group to go on a shoot one morning, or, 
just sending positive messages. You know, we could all use a little more positivity in our lives. And, you know, I think those are three or two of the main things I would try to drive home is just, you know, be yourself, stay true to your own work, you know, network and lift each other up and don't be afraid to follow your passion. Yeah. One of the things you said that I wanted to say was I would love, I would love to see more just people putting their work out there for consumption. And um, I think we talked earlier about, you know, confidence or, you know, lack of self-confidence and that being a barrier for some people to, for putting their work out there. But I think there's a weird flip side that I wanted to bring up to that. And that is, and I don't even know how to say this, but me personally, I find that I, the feedback that I leave for photographers is different based on their gender. And I also think that the way that feedback is received can sometimes be different in terms of, I don't want to use the term soft skin versus hard skin or, you know, whatever, but I have noticed that that exists. And I wonder if that plays a role at all in terms of whether or not people want to put their work out there, but then also should, should we be in, encouraging women to just it's gonna sound so bad but be tougher like you know like (laughs) put your work out there and you're gonna get feedback and you might not like it but it's not because you're a woman hopefully does anyone I don't know I know that was a a bold thing for me to say but (laughs) you're in uh, trouble now Matt (laughs) I know (laughs) the pitchforks are coming out (laughs) (laughs) Jesse Well, I agree partially, but agree that like everybody across the board should should be wel- more welcoming of of different types of feedback. I think that that's one way that we can elevate landscape and nature photography as an art form is is as practicers of of it to always be offering and and have an ear for feedback. Um, so I don't. So yes, be tougher, but I don't think that that needs to directly be um, directed at women specifically. Yeah, and I, I'm only basing that off of some of the interactions I've personally had with some women where they have told me that they feel like people don't are mean to them um, about their photos and that's why they're not sharing them or want to talk about them. Mm-hmm. And And what I wanted to say is like, well people are mean to me too, but I'm taking it differently. But I also, I don't have the same lens. So, um, and I don't have all those filters and I don't have a millennium mm-hmm. above patriarchal, patriarchal society <laughs> that's informing those thoughts. So um, I think that is kind of a tough barrier to break through. Uh, Sandra? I mean, I, I see a difference in, uh, in online feedback or in personal feedback. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't see that uh, online there is any form of critique of men. I mean, like it's a dude culture in a way, you know, I mean, like looking at professional male nature photographer, it's just pure great dude, here dude. Oh, I mean, like it, it just, I mean, it, it, it's just something that I don't want to go into. <laughs> I mean, like I don't want to be part of this dude culture. And uh, um, so in, in, in a local photo club environment, for example, or regional group of nature photographers, I, I 
I don't experience that there is a big difference because there's a critique and people just handle it uh, like not depending on, on, on male or female. So, Yeah, I would say when I've seen it happen in person, like at photo clubs and things like that, it seems to be totally fine. I think there's something about the way that online critique occurs that it just feels differently to people and they have those, I don't know, preconceived notions about what someone is saying. And sometimes I think it gets misinterpreted. Sarah? I think that some of this conversation, though, stems from the fact that at least in the United States, there is a definite definition of what landscape photography should be or what nature photography should be. And that kind of work gets the most attention. And if you present something that's different than that, then I think some of the critique that's received, like it, it's not starting from the point that the, the photographer is offering it. It's starting from this external mm. point of what landscape photography should be. So then if, if somebody's providing harsh critique, like this is boring, this isn't bold enough, this isn't epic, bro, like those kinds of things, like then you're, you're starting from a completely different point than the work is intended. And it's, I think it's really hard to separate out personal style and gender, but in a lot, a lot of the women that I follow and that I really respect do have a softer style of photography. And so that when they put it out there and it's not what is dominant in, at least in the United States, then I think some of the, the feedback is harsh and is unfair because it's coming from a place that's, that's not understanding the goals of the person that's presenting it. So in, like when if somebody's being criticized for having soft work or pastel work or that it's not as interesting because it's not as colorful and bold, like that, those aren't fair critiques. And I think that I do see women and people and men who present softer work, that they are on the receiving end of some of that feedback and that uh, it, it can affect confidence and it can affect your willingness to put things out there. So like when you were saying, well, maybe people just need a thicker skin, but that might be kind of an unfair assessment of the situation of what's going on. Like that the critique might playing devil's advocate a little bit. Okay. <laughs> like, I just feel like the, that, that like, <laughs> to, to have the confidence to present quiet work right now, I think like it, it is hard. It's hard when you see big, bold, dramatic landscapes getting a tremendous amount of attention and then presenting something quiet that it's hard to have the self-confidence to do that. And I think that that is maybe one of the reasons that women who have quieter work don't necessarily feel as uh, excited and encouraged about presenting their work online when it mm. isn't necessarily the most positive and encouraging place for, for showing off that kind of photography. Interesting. Anna. Yeah. I mean, um, I definitely agree with what others have said. The, I haven't had any, huge amount of personal experience where I've been personally given bad feedback or negative feedback um but I would say reading through other comments I'd say men can receive the feedback just as badly as women um <laughs> so that's one point and the second point is are people actually looking for critique when they post their photos um on social media so there will be times that people ask for feedback but I say um, that generally people are just looking to 
share it um, and not necessarily looking for critique. So to receive any kind of negative feedback might itself be um, received badly simply because they're not actually looking for it. Whereas in a camera club type scenario, um, whether it's a competition or an internal discussion, um, people are actually actively seeking critique and therefore it's better received. Well, I mean, I think you're definitely right on the mark that I think most of the time people aren't looking for critique unless they specifically are asking for it. However, my experience has been it's, you're, someone's always going to provide some some form of critique, whether it be some offhanded comment or, oh, that color is not quite right or, you know, the composition, whatever. But, I mean, that happens to me all the time. And you're right. I have seen lots of men respond really poorly when people provide those types of comments. So it does happen across the board. Um, <laughs> Victoria? Yeah, my, my personal feeling about putting stuff on social media is that if you offer it out there, then you have to take what you, you know, what people want to say about it you can't expect to put it out there and just have everybody like it and say wow it's amazing if they have something to say you've put it out there um you need to kind of have the balls to take what they you know take what they've said um but i i also like my abiding feeling about this is that everybody should be allowed to see the world and react to it in their own unique way and um you know you it's hard to sometimes find the courage to do that. But I think if you can, you know, try and react to the world in in the way that you feel is right for you. And then if you want to put it out there, don't take it personally. If people critique you, you know, have, you know, you should, I think you should listen and respond if it's right. Um, But if you're going to put it out there as well, you have to, you have to kind of, you have to kind of be tough enough to, to, to hear what people have to say, whether or not you agree with it. I had to uh, chuckle when you said you have to have the balls. I know. I, I was like, shit, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> you have to have the, uh, the ovaries. <laughs> you have to have the ovaries to just put it out there. But it's tough, you know, and if, and if you're not, you know, and for somebody like me, I'm not hugely, as I said before, I'm not hugely confident about what I put out there sometimes, but you know, I've, I've come to a place now where I, you know, I feel like if I want to share something that I know isn't going to necessarily do brilliantly on social media or whatever, I'm still going to put it out there. I'm just going to put it out there and I'm going to sit with what comes back to me and I'm going to respond. Usually I respond to almost everything, but I, you know, I will, I don't expect people to just say they like it, you know, like it's out. If I've put it out there, then I've got to expect that people may not like it and they may critique it and you just have to try and not take it personally and um just try and find the confidence to kind of deal with it Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely danny uh in the past i've been part of uh, facebook groups where we've kind of presented our photos for critique purposes and there's there's been um some really great ones and then there's been comments of of how to change it and how to make it quote unquote better. And a lot of times those types of comments, I've used them as a platform to, to explain why I didn't want to go that direction within that, within my photo. Cause that wasn't what I was wanting to, to um, create and, and kind of put forward. So I think uh, being able to have kind of a way to defend it almost 
um, as you're still looking for the critique, but um, kind of being able to explain why you chose to go the direction that you were going um, is a good kind of thing to also have. Well, geez, I think that goes for any photographer, you know, you you definitely should have to not have to, but if you can't explain why you included or didn't include something in your composition, I think there's a clue into there. Maybe you should be thinking more about why you composed the way you did it to begin with. But um, I think that's good advice because I think where you were going with that is if, if you're presenting a more, a softer, um, quieter type of processing or scene, I think you should be able to say why, why is it that you wanted to present it in the way that you did? Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure most people would be here would be able to do that. <laughs> and they hopefully wouldn't say it's cause I'm a woman. <laughs> well, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, I know we touched on this a little bit earlier with some of the things Sarah said, but I'm curious, what are some of the positive things that you've seen in the past few years, as far as, women being treated fairly in landscape and nature photography. Any takers? (laughs) 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 Well, I, I, I can just reiterate what I said about, about Nikon, you know, Nikon, you know, approaching me for me, that, that is a major thing to see a large company um, approaching, approaching, you know, having women at at the helm as well. And um, one of the things I also found was, you know, I'm not like a real gearhead. I'm, I'm a fairly intuitive photographer. And I love the fact that um, in my conversations with them, they've basically, you know, I've been concerned about, you know, stepping up on stage or stepping out and speaking and then worried about, you know, those kind of gearhead questions that maybe, you know, I know, I know what I'm doing, but I'm just not always that great at articulating it. Um, but being told by them, you know, don't worry, you know, that's what these, you know, these people here are for, you know, like you, you just create, you just do your thing and they, they can handle that side of stuff if, if, you know, so kind of that kind of support um, that I've certainly felt from them is, is really encouraging. And hopefully um, there are other big companies out there that would, um, that are doing the same thing. Verena? Um, yeah, I think that um, one of the things that I think is, critically important that's really starting to happen is that we're able to talk about this now for a long time uh you know jay and i would have conversations behind closed doors and and we would agree that there was a problem but you know we also knew that if i spoke up about it uh it could be very ugly and it and it certainly can be still but i do think there's much more of an effort um for people to talk about it. There's a lot more awareness, certainly. And uh, it's there's not such a stigma attached to saying, hey, yeah, that's happened to me too. And, and, and talking about it, the Me Too movement made a huge difference there. And I think that a lot of people are really trying. They're reaching out, you know, like you have here, Matt, you've, you're, you're reaching out to try and talk about it. And it's, it's okay to talk about it now. So that that's huge. Conversation is important. Yeah, absolutely. Sandra? Um, I see that there's a lot of effort in the uh, past years uh, to highlight the work of women, and I, I think it's great. Uh, my only wish would be that, and that touches on Sarah's initial uh, statement, that it wouldn't be highlighted as 
like especially female, like exhibition with female nature photographers or exhibition with female landscape photographers, I, I would just like to go on and being treated just the same without highlighting that I'm a woman. Well, maybe that's a really good segue into the last question that I wanted to, the last formal question I wanted to ask, which is, um, and this is based on some feedback I got from other women that I reached out to for this podcast. Um, basically, the question is, do you think that we are doing more harm by bringing gender to the surface through these conversations? Like, should we just stop talking about it um, from a lens of women versus men? Or, I mean, it's kind of goes counter to what you guys just said, but um, I'm wondering if part of, I guess what I'm saying is there's some women who say or think that we shouldn't even be mentioning the fact that this is a thing. Uh, Verena? Yeah, I'm going to say no. <laughs> um, but seriously, <laughs> it's hard no. Right, right. I, as much as I'd like to get to the day where it simply isn't an issue, uh, that's not the case yet, and we have a ways to go. Um, and I think talking about it is how we get there. So, you know, just as if you have a, a marriage where you have major problems, just going silent about the problems, it, it's not going to solve anything. Uh, you got to get out there and you got to talk about it. And uh, maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't. But if you're hashing it out and you're working through it and people are aware that there even is a problem, you know, you can't change it if you don't know it's there. So, yeah, I think talking about it makes a big difference. Yeah. Jesse? Um, for me, yes and no uh, is the answer to that question. I will say when you originally contacted me about the title of this podcast, I was like, ugh, <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't, I kind of agree with the person that, that asked the question on one hand. And then on the other hand, I think that part of the, the pushback to highlighting women in, in this specific way, like women as women is that it's only half of the equation that a podcast like this, where we're having this conversation is like getting a gym membership. And then after the conversation, we actually have to go to the gym and we have to interact and, and highlight in a different way. So I think that, yes, we should be having these conversations, but these conversations are only half of the battle and maybe not even half, maybe 20% of the battle. And then there needs to be follow-up for real footing to be to be had. What does that follow-up look like? I think continuing to give people a platform to question both our implicit and explicit bias that has led us to a place where it is so male dominated. You know, a lot of, of what I see right now that women are up against is the, uh, the ideas of women and what they, the ideas that, that they have about themselves and other women. So I think continuing to ask ourselves why we believe the things that we believe, why we're acting in the ways that we're acting if we have a platform to ensure that we're highlighting all genders equally and, and seeking out additional voices, you know, and, and propping each other up and supporting each other that, that just talking is, is, is part of it, but then also digging a little deeper to ask the questions of why things the way are the way they are and why we're acting the way that we're acting to create real change. Mm. Sarah. 
like I said before, I don't want to be defined just by my gender, but my experience in this field is just very, very different than my husband's experience. So I think I see it on a fairly regular basis, and I have the comparison to what it was like to be in a woman-dominated field. So gender does absolutely play a role. And I think in some ways it makes this a, a sort of lonely field to be in. To have a career as a nature photographer can be a pretty lonely endeavor. So I feel like being able to talk about this stuff and being able to brainstorm about solutions and develop relationships and networks that can help make it feel more supportive and welcoming, Like I think that's a really positive thing. So yes, don't just define me as a woman photographer, but give me the space to talk about these things. And like I think this podcast is a great example of how talking about some of the differences is important. And some people might listen to this and think differently about like if they themselves have a platform and they share other photographers' work, they now might think differently about how they're sharing those things or how they're selecting people for speaking opportunities or features. And I think that's a good result. So like just pretending that this stuff doesn't exist, I think would be just kind of like ignoring reality. So I actually do think it's important to talk about gender uh, as one facet of what it's like to be a woman in this field. Okay. Uh, Sandra? Um, I feel uh, uh, it, it feels like a little little bit like a self-help group here. <laughs> so uh, it's <laughs> like anonymous women um, with uh, similar problems. And um, uh, like you like you said, I, when, when the invitation to this podcast came, I said, oh my God, enough, uh, you know, again, this topic. Uh, and I wasn't really sure what the outcome um, of this could be, especially what, what kind of light could we shed on this because in discussions uh, we usually have in, uh, on, on this topic online it feels like that a male dominated field doesn't even want to listen to it so it would be uh, really interesting for me how how how, how it's received um, uh, so and, and I wish that Sarah is right and um, this helps us um, gaining more exposure because people are aware of uh, what our problems really are and um, What I just want to add um, as well is I, I think it's great to have initiatives. Like I know in the US there's an initiative like Girls Who Click for young women to even uh, go on and take nature photography as a as a career choice. And um, we have an initiative in, uh, in Europe now that's called Sisters in Nature where we try to encourage women uh, to pick up nature photography and, uh, and to go out and be more out there. So I think... All these efforts combined will probably help in the end. Well, I'm glad to hear that you think that, uh, Danny. Um, I think one of the the kind of with people just talking about having more women, more women's voices in kind of in photography and in kind of talking about all these topics has shed the light that there is um, there is a bit more diversity of, um, of people in photography specifically, um, for backpacks, uh, when there's been more talk about people, uh, or women, that's when we started to see more women's options for backpacks. Um, cause I always had, I always struggled trying to find a, a backpack that fit me. And only when they started making women specific backpacks, was I able to find that. So I think that was one of the biggest benefits benefits that I've um, kind of found by, by more, by having these conversations. Mm. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> tangible result. 
<laughs> uh, Anna? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, absolutely, we should continue talking about this. And I, I definitely don't think that closing the barriers to talking is, is going to be in any way fruitful. Um, and in fact, I'd say the opposite. You know, I'd like to see more men talk about the challenges that they might face. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about people of colour. Um, and I mean, I've spoken a lot about my um, difficulties or struggles with juggling a young family. I'd like to hear more fathers talk about how they um, balance their work with family life. Um, I think basically talking generally, I think, can only progress things rather than slow things down. Excellent. And Jennifer? Yeah, I definitely think, like, kind of following on what a few of the other ladies have said, you know, it'd be nice to see that label go away. But I think it's very important to talk about it. Um, You know, awareness is always the first step to solving the problem or being aware of a situation or a challenge. And I've found that a lot of men in our field sometimes don't even know what we're going through. Like we'll share stories around a campfire one night and they'll just be astounded at some of the things that, you know, we deal with, whether it's, you know, trolling comments on Instagram or just inappropriate comments or, you know, belittling things. And, you know, they're just super surprised. So I think a lot of people, you know, women and men don't always appreciate kind of like, what exactly is happening in this field. And I think bringing awareness to it and talking about it, you know, shed some light on that and, you know, it, it kind of benefits everybody. So, you know, as much as I don't like the label, I, I do like these, you know, talks and the camaraderie that kind of come out of this because I think it's just, you know, it's very supportive. I had to laugh a little bit when Sandra said it was like a, a, a self-help or a group help therapy session that we're all going through here. So. well this has been a lot of fun i really uh, just wanted to thank you all for taking a couple hours out of your out of your busy schedule of being quarantined um (laughs) it's been tough it's been very tough to fit this in i was gonna say in some ways we're kind of lucky because we have some time to really dig deep into these topics so it's been fun so thank you all so much i appreciate it thank you thank you thanks matt Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you to all all of our fantastic panelists for joining me for what I think was a really great discussion. I'd love to hear from listeners on their thoughts regarding this topic. So feel free to leave a comment over on NPN or on the show notes at mattpainphotography.com. Lastly, how can we lift up our fellow photographers? I personally am trying to encourage people more and more to come out of their shell and show off their images. Don't be afraid to get some critique. Uh, I know we can come off as kind of mean sometimes, but that's part of the growth curve. We all started somewhere and a little bit of kindness can go a long way in encouraging other photographers to improve. All right. Well, as promised, here are some ways to support our fabulous guests. Verena Patel is currently running a spring sale over on visualwilderness.com. You can get deals on tutorials such as focus and sharpness, bracketing and blending, light and colors, and macro and night photography. Just go to visualwilderness.com special offer. 
Danny LeFrancois is running two upcoming workshops. One is a fall color tour of the Canadian Rockies in September of 2020, and the other is a tour of Newfoundland in May 2021. Check out the show notes for links to both of those offers. Victoria Hack is teaching a business of photography course. You can get $50 off by using the code VICTORIAHACK. Sandra Bartoka has a new book entitled Lis, An Intimate Journey to the North, which really looks quite fantastic. Sarah Marino has since launched a YouTube channel since we chatted, and it looks really promising. So far, she is showcasing her techniques for composing smaller, more intimate scenes. And lastly, Jennifer Renwick and her partner David Kingham have been releasing some great webinars over on YouTube for photographers through their website, Nature Photographers Network. Just check out the show notes for links to all of these and a lot more. I honestly can't thank our patrons enough for keeping us afloat during COVID-19. It has been quite a rocky month here on the podcast, and we've lost about 10% of our patrons. However, some of you have been incredibly generous and increased your pledges, so thank you so much for doing that. Special shout out to David Hunter, Craig Young, and Joshua Wallace, who just did that in the last couple of days. You guys are great. Also, a huge thank you to our newest supporter, Mark Hespin-Heidi. Mark has a really great body of work, and you should go check out his stuff. It's really great. And also, I just wanted to take a moment to thank our generous patrons who support the podcast at the $20 a month level or more over on at Patreon. Uh, which you can find that at patreon.com slash fstopandlisten. And I've linked to each person's website over on my websites in the hopes that listeners will support them and their work. So go take a look at their websites and reach out to them. As Jennifer mentioned on the podcast, a high tide rises all boats. Let's thank them for supporting the show. Without further ado, thanks to Gary Randall, David Kingham, Danny LeFrancois, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, Ken Dono, James Bakavoy, Anton Everine, Lori Berenson, William Nurse, Richard Wong, Matthias Joland, Suzanne Mathia, Frank Otto Peterson, Zachary Smith, Michael Rung, John Whitaker, Jason Clardy, Joshua Wallace, Drew Armstrong, Jim Valancourt, Drew Harbaugh, Jennifer King, Andrew Hawkins, and Craig Young. You are all amazing. Thank you so much. All right, here is what's coming up on the show. I have some really fun and diverse recordings coming up with Christian Fletcher, Nick Carver, Drew Armstrong, John Barkley, Ethan Deshaies, Todd Cottle, Manuel Palacios, Margaret Soraya, Joseph Roybal, Felix Inden, and Elizabeth Brontano. Whew, it's going to be an amazing couple next months. It's going to be really fun. Well, do you have an idea for a podcast episode or want me to promote something that you're working on? Feel free to send me an email at matt at mattpainphotography.com. All right, well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.